0: The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 62 covers Concept 7, Self-Reliance.
1: I have selected 10 concepts from Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance. Each concept expands the virtues and variations of self-reliance or warns of the vices of the ways we forfeit self-reliance.
0: Concept 1, Blind Obedience. Concept 2 False Charity Concept 3 Truth Concept 4 Faith Concept 5 Nonconformist Concept 6 To Thine Own Self Be True Concept 7 Self-Reliance Concept 8 Character Concept 9 God Concept 10 Solitude
1: In this podcast, we shall explore concept number seven, self-reliance. It is appropriate that we include in our discussion of Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance, an episode containing the main title, Inherent in Democracy is the Principle of Self-Reliance. Inherent in Socialism and Communism is the Principle of Slavery and Subjugation. The totalitarian state controls its citizens by keeping them in permanent bondage, oppressed by fear that they cannot make it in the world alone. The leaders of all totalitarian states operate on the premise that they know better than you do what is best for you. As Emerson said, What
0: I must do is all that concerns me, not what the people think. This rule, equally arduous in actual and in intellectual life, may serve for the whole distinction between greatness and meanness. It is the harder, because you will always find those who think they know what is your duty better than you know it?
1: The greatest drive on earth is the drive of man to have power over others. Selfishness is the primary source of evil. The noblest goal of man is to have power over himself. Only then can he love the Lord with all his heart and his neighbor as himself. Godlike love is the primary source of good. The natural man is the primary source of evil. Agency requires that we have a choice between good and evil. Christ is the author of all good. Satan is the author of all evil. For agency to exist, it is necessary that we be enticed by both Christ and Satan, thus giving us a choice. Evil always leads to bondage and captivity. Good always leads to freedom and liberty. Free will is possible only because of the existence of absolute law. Obedience to law gives us free will. Disobedience to law leads to captivity. Obedience to temporal law gives us freedom. Obedience to spiritual law gives us agency. Only when man made laws are in harmony with the laws of God do we have liberty. A democratic republic can only survive when the majority of its citizens voluntarily obey the commandments of God. One of the primary virtues necessary for a democratic republic such as the United States of America, which is based on a constitution, bill of rights, free elections, perfect balance of power, Voice of the people, belief in God, belief in absolutes, and a belief in equality is self reliance. As government increases in power, the power of the individual decreases. As laws of government increase, freedom decreases. The bigger the government and the more centralized the power, the less liberty we have. The following are the ten primary signs of a decay in democracy
0: 1. Rise of atheism. 2 rise of tribalism. 3. Rise of hedonism or moral relativity. 4. Rise of socialism, communism, or totalitarianism. 5. Decline of freedom of speech. 6. Decline of freedom of the press. 7. Decline of freedom of religion. 8. Decline of states' rights. 9. Decline of balance of power. 10. Decline of self-reliance
1: If any of the above reach critical mass, downfalls democracy. Self-reliance is the canary in the coal mine. When self-reliance dies, the life and will of democracy dies with it. Courage is always companion to freedom. No power without can be as dangerous to democracy as the power within. Those who, like Samson, pull down any of the key pillars above that hold up democracy are enemies to freedom and traitors to democracy.
0: Life only avails not the having lived. Power ceases in the instant of repose. It resides in the moment of transition from a past to a new state, in the shooting of the gulf, in the darting to an aim. This one fact the world hates, that the soul becomes. For that forever degrades the past, turns all riches to poverty, all reputation to shame, confounds the saints with the rogue, shoves Jesus and Judas equally aside. Why then do we prate of self-reliance? In so much as the soul is present, there will be power, not confident, but agent. To talk of reliance is a poor external way of speaking. Speak rather of that which relies because it works and is.
1: I would like to focus for a moment on the passage just quoted by Linda. Let's divide it into propositions or assertions.
0: Assertion 1. Life only avails not the having lived.
1: Emerson is not ignoring the past, but he is asserting that we can effect change only in the present. What we did in the past matters only in as much as it prepares us to better meet the present. To avail means to profit, to benefit, to be effective, to be efficacious, to succeed, to gain, to take advantage, to reward, to make good use of. Emerson added that power ceases in the instance of repose. Turbines do not generate electricity in a stagnant pond. Emerson uses the term shoot in the gulf. Today would probably use the term shoot in the rapids. Shooting the gulf, however, is a more dangerous journey. It means caught in a whirlpool. A gulf is a chasm, an abyss, a fissure, a canyon, a gorge. Just imagine rafting in such violent white waters. It could be that Emerson had in mind the adventures of Odysseus guiding his ship through the Strait of Messina. On one side was Scylla, a rock shoal represented by a six-headed sea monster. On the other side was another monster, Charybdis, a violent whirlpool. Odysseus had to pass between the two sea monsters. It is also possible that Emerson had in mind Edgar Allan Poe's story, A Descent into the Maelstrom. Edgar Allan Poe's short story was published in 1841, the same year that Self-Reliance was written. It is the story of a fisherman caught in the grips of a giant whirlpool.
0: The rays of the moon seemed to search the very bottom of the profound gulf, but still I could make out nothing distinctly on account of a thick mist in which everything there was enveloped, and over which there hung a magnificent rainbow, like that narrow and tottering bridge, which musclemen say is the only pathway between time and eternity. This mist or spray was no doubt occasioned by the clashing of the great walls of the funnel, as they all met together at the bottom, but the yell that went up to the heavens from out of the mist I dare not attempt to describe. Our first slide into the abyss itself from the belt of foam above had carried us a great distance down the slope, but our farther descent was by no means proportionate. Round and round we swept, not with any uniform movement, but in dizzying swings and jerks that sent us sometimes only a few hundred yards sometimes nearly the complete circuit of the world
1: according to emerson we learn only in the moment of transition from a past to a new state some of the world's great literature is composed of perilous journeys homer's odyssey twain's the adventures of huckleberry finn coleridge's the rhyme of the ancient mariner milton's paradise lost the stories of the bible all told in epic form the characters are never the same after the journey
0: assertion two: this one fact the world hates that the soul becomes
1: why does the world hate the fact that the soul is in a state of becoming and not a state of being remember Emerson's statement from an earlier podcast
0: society everywhere is in conspiracy against the manhood of every one of its members society is a joint stock company in which the members agree For the better securing of his bread to each shareholder, to surrender the liberty and culture of the eater. The virtue in most requests is conformity. Self reliance is its aversion. It loves not realities and creators, but names and customs.
1: Does that sound familiar? Society wants us to surrender our liberty and conform to another's agenda, another's morality another's vision of what is good and what is evil what is right and what is wrong do the commandments thou shalt not wear fur thou shalt not use natural gas kitchen appliances thou shalt not burn fossil fuels thou shalt not drink cups of soda over 16 ounces thou shalt wear masks. thou shalt not gather into large groups thou shalt drive electric cars thou shalt remove the ten commandments from government property thou shalt not pray in schools Thou shalt not put the Christmas crash on government property. Thou shalt not use the pronouns he, she, him, or her without permission. Thou shalt not assume a person is a man or a woman. The commandments are proliferating and will continue to proliferate until we are smothered. We tend to romanticize the past, to monumentalize the past, freezing it in stone for all to admire. Emerson emphasizes the living.
0: Virtues are, in a popular estimate, rather the exception than the rule. There is the man and his virtues. Men do what is called a good action as some piece of courage or charity, much as they would pay a fine in expiation of daily non-appearance on parade. Their works are done as an apology or extenuation of their living in the world, as invalids and the insane pay a high board. Their virtues are penances. I do not wish to expiate, but to live.
1: Self-reliance depends upon becoming master of the present.
0: Let a stoic open the resources of man and tell men they are not leaning willows, but can and must detach themselves, that with the exercise of self-trust, new power shall appear, that a man is the word made flesh, born to shed healing to the nations, that he should be ashamed of our compassion, and that the moment he acts from himself, tossing the laws, the books, idolatries, and customs out of the window, we pity him no more, but thank and revere him. And that teacher shall restore the life of man to splendor, and make his name dear to all history. It is easy to see that a greater self-reliance must work a revolution in all the offices and relations of men, in their religion, in their education, in their pursuits, in their modes of living, their association, in their property, in their speculative views.
1: It reinforces Assertion 1. Life only avails not the having lived. Emerson diminishes all material acquisitions, He does not want man to be judged what he has but for what he is
0: but a cultivated man becomes ashamed of his property out of new respect for his nature especially he hates what he has if he sees that it is accidental came to him by inheritance or gift or crime then he feels that it is not having it does not belong to him has no root in him, and merely lies there, because no revolution or no robber takes it away. But that which a man is does always by necessity acquire, and what the man acquires is living property, which does not wait the beck of rulers, or mobs, or revolutions, or fire, or storm, or bankruptcies, but perpetually renews itself wherever the man breathes.
1: Emerson added
0: and so the reliance on property including the reliance on governments which protect it is the want of self-reliance
1: in other words Emerson is saying that we should be careful what we rely upon upon what we put our trust in and upon whom we put our trust
0: assertion 3 why then do we Pratt of self-reliance Inasmuch as the soul is present, there will be power, not confident, but agent. To talk of reliance is a poor external way of speaking. Speak rather of that which relies, because it works and is.
1: To rely means to depend upon, to count upon, to lean, to trust, to put faith in. Speaking abstractly of self-reliance is meaningless. We must speak of that which we trust have faith in, or depend upon. Clearly, if we depend upon the opinion of others or upon our wealth or power or possessions or position, they are artificial and meaningless. If you have been listening to the podcast, however, it is very narrow to assume that Emerson puts faith entirely in self. He relies on God. He relies on truth. He relies on law. And then he relies on self. He does not want someone else to tell him what truth is, or what God to worship, or what religion to follow, or what is good or what is evil. He wants to discover those for himself.
0: It is easy to see that a greater self-reliance must work a revolution in all the offices and relations of men, in their religion, in their education, in their pursuits, their modes of living, their association, in their property in their speculative views.
1: Emerson likes to shock his readers. Perhaps the most famous line from Self-Reliance is the following.
0: A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, adored by little statesmen and philosophers and divines. With consistency, a great soul has simply nothing to do. He may as well concern himself with the shadow on the wall.
1: Emerson is bold in his statements.
0: Another sort of false prayers are our regrets. Discontent is the want of self-reliance. It is infirmity of will.
1: Emerson is very clever, for he always follows with a persuasive explanation.
0: Regret calamities if you can thereby help the sufferer. If not, attend to your own work, and already the evil begins to be repaired. Our sympathy is just as base we come to them who weep foolishly and sit down and cry for company instead of imparting to them truth and health in rough electric shocks putting them once more in communication with their own reason
1: we need people like emerson today more than ever if we followed his advice we would never have accumulated a 30 trillion dollar debt on false charity if you haven't downloaded podcast 53 false charity also taken from Emerson's self-reliance may I invite you to do so a nation should not exceed its resources or do more than it is wisely capable of doing not even for charity but emerson is talking not about false charity but about false emotions or false prayers or false regrets sentimentalism cankers the soul and blinds the mind to healthy responses to tragedy We should wisely respond to unfortunate events, but never respond to blinding emotions. An ambulance driver that crashes when carrying one to the hospital is a dubious savior. A pastor cannot carry the guilt of the confessor, nor can a doctor carry the pain of the patient. The healer must himself already be healed. The healer must have a steady hand, a calm mind, and a courageous heart. As Emerson said, We come to them who weep foolishly and sit down and cry for company instead of imparting to them truth and health in rough electric shocks, putting them once more in communication with their own reason. The left today inflames racism rather than heals it, encourages dependence rather than help people become self-reliant, encourages riots rather than restore order, encourages theft rather than enforce law. There's a kind of insanity about the government approach to everything. They sympathize with the malcontents and punish the victims. Perhaps we should dust off our old books and reacquaint ourselves with the writings of those who came before us. You're not going to find liberty in the foolish platitudes of modern petty potentates or in the ubiquitous cries of racism or the tears on demand of the shallow sentimentalist. You will find liberty only in sacrifice, self-reliance, courage, boldness, reason, unselfishness, and righteousness. What was it our forefathers were willing to sacrifice their lives for? They understood the price of liberty. A tribute to Jefferson is the following: The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Emerson emphasized that we should be very careful upon whom we put our trust. We will not find liberty until we return to our motto: "In God we trust." We have this promise in Proverbs three five through seven: Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil.